church family. And so we're going to be looking at when Jesus washes the disciples' feet, which is such a powerful, powerful story. But our prayer is this morning, and this is where we're, we're asking the Lord to take it, and I believe he's asking us to go there too, which is always the first thing anyway, is that he wants us to know that he loves us first. That the only way we can love like Jesus is, is being filled with the love of Jesus. And so this morning we're going to consider the love of Jesus and how he serves us in order for then for us to love and serve like him. And so if you turn to John chapter 13, it's going to be a long reading in a moment, but we're on this journey across the live church. We're really excited. I'm preaching in our Gainsborough location this afternoon, and those guys are pioneering there, and we're just seeing Jesus change lives, which is what this is all about, isn't it? Making our lives count. And so we're on this journey together across the live, and Stuart's just going to introduce the theme for this morning, and then we'll turn to the Word of God together and unpack this this morning. Let's watch this video. Hi everyone, holidays with the family don't always bring the best out of parents. Dads are even likely to dad dance. Irene would often ask me why I would have to show off in front of the kids. Strangely, a week's holiday demanded the stepping out of comfort zones and doing things with your kids that you don't normally do. watch fathers out on the boating lake trying to impress their children with their sailing skills. I have seen fathers rowing alongside children where instead of crossing the lake, they end up with half an hour's worth of creating circles. Frustration levels rapidly increase and what was meant to be a great holiday activity ends up in tears. Rowing demands cooperation, timing, teamwork and practice. Our churches are meant to move forward with direction and clarity. In this series we continue to look at how we can partner together working in teams, all carrying weight and contributing our efforts and our gifts to reach our goals together. Have a great, great day. Great. Well, let's turn to John chapter 13. And uh, as I said, it's quite a, a long reading. Please bring your Bible to church or turn to it on your phone. But uh, I really, really encourage you to come and take notes and you can work, work it through for the rest of the week then about what is it the Bible is saying and how does this impact my life. And we want you to be an individual thinker. We want you to use the brain God's given you to, to swim in this word and to, to work out what he's saying for you personally. And so John chapter 13, we're starting in verse 1. Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. During supper, when the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going back to God, rose from the supper. He laid aside his outer garments and, taking a towel, tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? 
And Jesus answered him, What I am doing you do not understand now, but afterwards you will understand. And Peter said to him, You shall never wash my feet. And Jesus answered him, If I do not wash you, you have no share with me. And Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. And Jesus said to him, The one who is bathed does not need to wash except for his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not every one of you. For he knew who it was who was going to betray him. And that is why he said, Not all of you are clean. When he had washed their feet and put on his outer garments and resumed his place, he said to them, Do you understand what I've done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. For I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet. You also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an an example that you also should do, just as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. And then just down to verse 21 and 22. After saying these things, Jesus was troubled in his spirit and testified, Truly, truly, I say to you, one of you will betray me. And the disciples looked at one another, uncertain of whom he spoke. Then just flick over the page to verse 31. And when he had gone out, that's Judas, Jesus said, Now is the Son of Man glorified, and God is glorified in him. And if God is glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself and glorify him at once. Little children, yet a little while I am with you. You will seek me, and just as I said to the Jews, so now I also say to you, where I am going, you cannot come. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you are also to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. And Simon Peter said to him, Lord, where are you going? And Jesus answered him, where I'm going, you cannot follow me now, but you will follow afterwards. And Peter said to him, Lord, why can I not follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. And Jesus answered, will you lay down your life for me? Truly, truly, I say to you, the cock will not grow, crow until you have denied me three times. Let's pray. Lord, this is incredible. This is Jesus. And Holy Spirit, I pray you'd awaken in every heart in this room the majesty of Jesus, the beauty of Jesus, the truth of Jesus. I pray, Father, come and do stuff that I can't, not just ears to hear, but hearts to hear and souls to be transformed. Please, God. And so, Holy Spirit, we welcome you here. We pray you breathe life into these words on this page that we're looking at. And I pray hard leave here differently. We'd leave here differently because you've spoken to us, God, please. And I pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. And so we're thinking this morning about serving and, and loving like Jesus. And uh, someone sent me this joke letter that was written to a pastor uh, all about serving in church. And it said this, Dear Pastor, there are 566 members in our church, but, if, but 100 are frail and elderly. That leaves 466 to do all the work. However, 80 are young, away, are young people away at university. That leaves 386 people to do all the work. However, 150 of them are tired businessmen, so that leaves 236 to do all the work. 
but 150 are housewives with children. So that leaves 86 people to do all the work. There are also 46 members who have other important interests, which leaves 40 people to do all the work. But 15 live too far away to come regularly, so that leaves 25 people to do all the work. And 23 of them say they've done their part, so pastor, that leaves you and me, and frankly, I'm exhausted. So all the best, a parishioner. I love that. Now, I'm not saying that's the same as it is in this church. I thank God for the people who serve in this church. But the reality is, so often in churches, 20% of the people do 80% of the work. And God's design for us as a family, God's design for us as individuals isn't to attend a local church. It is to be part of the adventure that he's called us to be on and to serve one another with the gifts that he's given us. It is to be all in. It's to work as a team. And God's heart for us is, is to partner together for the gospel, that, that verse that underpins this whole series. And we really feel, and I feel personally, that we've lost sight, certainly in the Western world, of what God's heart, of what it means to be part of a local church. We've drifted away from it. And this isn't a condemnation thing. I'm not saying this is about salvation. And this isn't what God wants from us. It's what God wants for us. If you want to run into all that God has for you, then I'm afraid you have to listen to his opinion and not yours. And it's not my opinion. That's why I encourage you, swim in the word. Work out what is it saying. Don't just believe it because I'm saying it, but think it through for yourself. And so what we're looking at is, what does this partnership look like in the New Testament? And it means they attend regularly celebrations. They attended every day. Some people struggle to attend every week. But these Christians, they've met every single day to worship in the temple together. And then they met in homes in the evening. We thought about connect groups. And then we thought last week about how we're to be generous with our finances. And this is part of the blueprint of God's heart for how people partner together in him and see villages and towns and cities transformed by grace. And this morning we're looking at this whole area of how we're to serve one another. 1 Peter 4 verse 10 says this, Each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others. Each one. Not, not just those on the, in the inner bit. <laughs> not just those who feel like it. Each one. You have a role to play in this church. God doesn't want you just to come and meander through life and to receive and to just come and be refreshed. We want that. But he wants you to be refreshed in order to serve like Jesus and love like Jesus. And it is about the world out there, but it's also about our family here. And this is what Galatians 6 verse 10 says that shows this is what the Bible teaches. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, especially to those who are of the household of faith. So often you, you meet some people who say, well, I serve doing this, doing that sort of out, out there. And I get that. I honor that. I affirm that. We should be doing that. But Galatians 6 verse 10 says, especially those of the household of the faith. And we shouldn't neglect one another in this family because we're doing stuff out there. God is wanting us to do both. It's not either or. And so this morning we're thinking, how do we serve one another? Rick Warren says this, a non-serving Christian is a contradiction in terms. And God's heart for me and for you is to serve one another. And that will look differently for every person in this room But it will start with a sense of, I'm going to serve and love people in this church. Not just people I get on with naturally, 
but I want to serve like Jesus as we're going to see. In John 13, I don't know about you, but I find that one of the most beautiful, powerful chapters in the Bible. This is my Jesus. This is Jesus who I follow, who I love. And when we look at Jesus, we see the example of love. Don't ever judge Jesus by Christians, because we all fall short on this. All of us. Not one person in this room has served and loved like Jesus consistently through their lives. And as we're going to see, it's all a work of the Holy Spirit. But John 13, here we see Jesus in this outrageous humility gets down and washes the feet of these disciples. And he says in verses 34 and 35, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you are also to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. That's a challenge. Some people say, well, I love Jesus, I just don't love the church. Where do you fit that into what Jesus is saying there? If there's nothing in you for a love for Christians, then Jesus is saying, do you really love me? Because when my love fills you, you love the family. doesn't mean you have moments where you struggle. <laughs> but it does mean there's something in you with a love. There's a bond. This is a, a new creation. And we're not just a bunch of strangers, even though we may not know each other well. But we're one in Christ. We're brothers and sisters in him. And that's why you can go to a church anywhere in the world. And you walk in and suddenly the Holy Spirit, when he's there, there's this oneness. And when I lived in Sweden, I just didn't have a clue what they were singing. And I'd be there going like this, and I thought, well, I don't care. I don't know what they're singing, but I feel God here, and I know we're one in him. And when you get that sense of God in you, you're thinking, this isn't a club to belong to. This is a supernatural family to be part of. And when you get that, your whole perspective shifts. And that is what Jesus is saying here. If you want to love like me, it is shown on how you love other Christians. And that's what we're going to unpack this morning together. And we see the immediate context is this incredible washing of the disciples' feet. In the first century, everyone walked on the roads. The roads were dirty and dusty. Their feet would have stunk. They would have been crusted all over in muck and dirt. And it was the job of the lowest slave or servant in the house to wash people's feet. That's why the disciples thought they were too good for it. That's why they sat there thinking, who's going to wash my feet? And then the king of kings and the sovereign God gets up and washes the dirty, stinking feet of the very people who should be washing his. And he gets and he washes and he says, this is how I want you to love one another. But the broader context, that's why we read all the verses, is of the cross. He's saying, I'm going to be glorified. And when you read John's gospel, that term, my time has not yet come. My time has not yet come. It's this anticipation. Now he's saying, now is the time. I'm going to the cross. I'm dying for the world. It's outrageous love. And Jesus says, pick up your cross and follow me. It's not a cruise liner. It's It's a cost. There's a love. There's a sacrifice. And so I want to ask you, is there enough evidence in your life that you love like Jesus? And again, this isn't about condemnation. This is about liberation. It's not about looking back and feeling naff. It's about saying, okay, I'm drawing a line in the sand this morning. And if maybe you're in this place, which all of us will be, it's saying, God, from now on, I want to walk with you. I want to be like Jesus. Bonhoeffer, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, one of my heroes, was a, a German pastor who was killed in World War II, stood for the faith outrageously against the Nazi regime. And he said this, if you're the, the aim of the Christian is to live so much like Jesus 
that it makes the atheists doubt their disbelief in God? Does your life make people doubt their disbelief in God? And that is what God's calling us to be. So it's a big call. And we're going to just look at five things, five truths about serving like Jesus and how he serves us. And then we're going to have a time of ministry at the end because all of this begins with being served by Jesus. He came to serve and not to be served. And so we're going to end there. You guys still with me? Great. So five things. The first thing is this, serving is costly. If we're going to grow a culture of partnership, which I pray you, the bottom line is this, if we see this in the Bible, what it means to be a Christian is that you honor God and you want to obey him. So if what we're seeing is biblical, then I'm taking it for granted all of us want to do it, if we're calling ourselves Christians. And so we look at these five things and saying, God, I want to be like this. If this is what you're really saying, I want to walk in this. So firstly, serving is costly, verses four and five. This outrageous truth, that Jesus washed the disciples' feet. It's the cost of humility. Just think about this. The, the God who flung the stars into space and you, knows each one by name, the God that we, we see in the letter to the Colossians, Jesus who to and through him is held all creation in being. If you know anything about science, you'd be blown away by that with the laws of nature and the intricacies of the universe and creation. When you see the hand of Jesus on that, that sovereign king got down on his knees and washed these disciples' feet. That is outrageous humility. It's the cost of saying, even if no one else will do this, I'm going to do it. Nothing is beneath me, God. I want to serve and love others in the way that you serve and love me, in outrageous humility. The second thing, it's the cost of getting your hands dirty. Jesus didn't say, I'm going to pray for you, and I love you, and then leave the room. It didn't, wasn't all talk. And there's nothing wrong with prayer, nothing wrong with saying I love you. Please don't mishear me. We've said, come to the prayer meeting. Please pray. We're going to think about that next week. But Jesus didn't simply talk about it. He demonstrated it. He, he physically washed the disciples' feet. He served them. He looked after them. He was kind and generous towards them. And then serving like Jesus involves the cost of self-sacrifice. He gave up everything for us on the cross. He owes us nothing. God owes you nothing. You're not a victim. There's no self-entitlement with God. And he owes you nothing at all. And you would still be perfectly loving, perfectly just. And yet, because he loves you, he wants to give you everything. And on that cross, he gave you his son. Jesus died for you. Took all our sin, our shame, our punishment. The wrath of the Father that was against us, it was laid fully on Jesus on the cross. Just think about that. The self-sacrifice of Christ for me and for you. He loves you so much. Capture that afresh this morning. This is how Jesus loves you. He gives you everything. And on that cross, he says, I love you so much. I'd rather die than live without you having any possibility of knowing me. He died for you because he loves you. That is how costly serving can be. And serving is costly because it means serving those we struggle to like or love. Just think a moment of what Jesus is doing in this time. He knows exactly what Judas is about to do. He's prophesied it. One of you is about to betray me. He knows this man that he's walked three years with, encouraged, supported, loved, walked life with. 
He knows in a few moments' time this man is going to betray him. And yet he still washed his feet. That blows my mind. When God so loved the world, and that word world in John's gospel means a world that's hating God, rejecting God, just running away from God. And God so loved us, even though we hated him, that he sent his son. That is to love like Jesus. Loving like Jesus isn't loving those that you can get stuff back from. Loving like Jesus is saying, I'm loving because God is love and his love is in me. And I'm going to love you. Love is costly. Second thing is love is caring. Serving is caring, sorry. In this culture of partnership, we need to have hearts that are soft and full of compassion. I love this in verse 33. Jesus' care for his disciples. He says, little children... Yet a, while, yet a little while I'm with you. I love this. He, he addresses these disciples, these people who, are, who he knows are going to run away and betray him. He says, little children. That Greek word technia was a, a word full of tender feeling and deep affection, warmth and love. He wasn't a, a stern headmaster. He wasn't a bully. He wasn't this kind of man of God and you must do what I say. He was a God of love who wooed the heart and then wanted the life to follow. And he said, little children, this compassion and this care that he had for them. And then in verse 36, he explains that he'll be leaving them soon. He says, after a little while, I'm going to be going. And and he says, you can't go, I'm going. He's explaining to them. He's not treating them as people who are unimportant. But in love and care, he explains what's going to happen. Truth number three Serving his commitment is incredible. He knows Peter's going to betray him, uh, deny him. He prophesies that over Peter. Peter's making big claims, big promises, stating that, that he's going to never let Jesus down. And yet you read the gospel, he lets him down completely in that moment. And yet Jesus says, I'm going to be with you, Peter. I'm not giving up on you, Peter. I'm going to restore you, Peter. He's committed. It's not three strikes and you're out with Jesus. He's outrageously gracious and loving. And then just think about all the disciples. He knew they'd leg it as soon as he was arrested. He knew one of them was going to betray him completely. And yet he was committed to them. And this is loving like Jesus. Loving like Jesus is consistent, constant, enduring, and persevering. And it's being committed to people through the ups and the downs, through the great times and the rubbish times. It is a constant pursuit of peace and love. Are you serving like that? in this place. This sense of, okay, there's a need. I'm going to be committed to serving this family in that way. The fourth thing is serving is Christ-empowered. And this is really where we're going to bring it to land in a moment. To serve like Jesus, as we've seen, it, it isn't possible without the work of the Holy Spirit. You see, Jesus here is saying it's a new commandment. We saw those verses at the end. And, and, and in a sense, why was this new? The, the, in the Old Testament, they'd said, love God love one another. It's throughout the Old Testament. But the reason this is a new commandment isn't what the commandment is, but it's how you can live out the commandment. And in this new commandment, God is Jesus saying, you know, I'm going to fill you with my love. In John 15, he, he talks about he is the vine and that, that we're the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he shall bear much fruit. From, apart from me, you can do nothing. And so guys, When we listen to this stuff, if you're anything like me, it's like, God, I really can't love and serve people like that. 
And yet Jesus is saying, I know you can't. And that's why I've come, to fill you with my love. So you love people with my love. And you serve people with my love, not your own. It's easy to love those and like those who are lovable and likable. And we do life with. God isn't necessarily glorified in that as much. But where he is glorified is when a group of people come and do life together in a way that in any other context, they never even greet each other or talk. And through the ups and the downs, there's this supernatural love that holds us together. And it's the love of Jesus. And so serving like Jesus begins by being served by Jesus. And loving like Jesus begins by being loved by Jesus. We love because he first loved us. And so in the moment, I'm just going to invite people in this place. Have you forgotten your first love? In the busyness of life, in the need just to just get through stuff, which we all can get to, I want to invite people this morning, if you're just saying, God, I want to come back to you. Or maybe you're here and you're thinking, I'm struggling to do this. I need you, Jesus. I haven't loved in the way you wanted me to love. Then we'd love to, to pray for people this morning to be filled with the love of the Father afresh. Because the beautiful thing is this, and this is the fifth truth. Serving is communicating. You see, when people see a group of people who, who aren't sort of naturally clicking together from all nations, hallelujah, this isn't an English church, this is God's church, from all nations, all social backgrounds, all, all personality types, all situations in life represented. We don't want any mold in this place, we just want you to be you. And when people like that come together and love with Jesus' love, Jesus said, by this, people will know you're my disciples. You see, it's all about love. It's not about the bright lights and the great music, although that's great. It's about love. It's about us loving Jesus. It's about Jesus loving us. And it's about us loving one another. And when we do each other's heads in, we don't give up. We don't throw the toys out. We keep loving we keep believing, we keep standing. Because I tell you this, and I'm waffling now and I'll stop. But I tell you this, when you truly, truly believe and understand how fallen you are personally, and you see a holy God can love someone like you, you will not struggle to love someone else. When you're broken before God, and just think, God, why do you put up with me? You are so generous and loving towards me. And when you're filled with that sense of love, to love someone who's irritated you slightly is easy. Because you think, my Lord, what am I like to you? And that's how that person is to me. And so there's no place in this church for gossip. No place in this church for backbiting. No place in this church for victim mentality. We're to love one another. We don't want any little pity parties. And I'm speaking to myself there. We're to love. We're to love. We're to love. We're to love. I don't care how much of the Bible you know, you're to love. I don't care how many miracles you've seen, you're to love. So Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 13, doesn't matter what you've done for God. 
Are you filled with the love of God? And all of us need the love of Jesus for this. And so we're going to pray now. We're going to finish with prayer. I haven't got a clue how this is going to finish. I just felt this is what the Lord wanted us to do. And I want to just ask two things. Firstly, um, there's people in this room and you have lost your first love. Maybe you've never given your life to Jesus. And, and, and afterwards, we'd love to talk to you if you're that, but I really feel this is where the Holy Spirit is taking it this morning. Firstly, I want to pray for people in this room who need to be honest with themselves and say, life has just been on autopilot. I've got so busy. Everything's taken preoccupation in my mind and in my heart. And you haven't lost God, but you're not on fire for God. And this morning, I'd love to pray for the love of Jesus to fill you and the grace of God to fill you. And so that's one group of people we'd love to pray for this morning. And it's a maturity to say that is where you are. And I want to say this is a church where we are so secure in grace, we can be honest with one another. We must be. I struggle to walk with Jesus loads of times. And I thank God that I've been part of a church where we're so secure in grace, we can be real with one another. No masks. We hate religion. We just cling to Jesus. And so if that's you, we'd love to pray for you. But secondly, I'd love to pray, and this is a tricky one to admit, but maybe just come up and pretend you're going for that one and then admit this one. (laughs) But there are times in life where we just struggle to love people and we hold on to resentment, we hold on to bitterness and this self-entitlement and bitterness will rob us of the joy of the Holy Spirit. And maybe this morning you need to just come up and just say, God, I want to give you this. And I want to be filled afresh with you. And I want to give this to you. And I want to leave here this morning having made peace with God about this. And so I just want us to have space. Paul, are you able to play the keys? Um, Just to give a bit of background noise as much as anything else. But let's wait upon the Lord together. We'll just see. And if you're not used to this, please don't freak out. This isn't a religious bit. But we're asking the Holy Spirit now. Because he's the one who does this stuff, not us. And Holy Spirit, we welcome you here. You're here whether we welcome you or not. But this morning we ask, come. Come in power. Come in love. Point us to Jesus. Who serves us with so much cost, who is so compassionate, who's so committed, who's so empowered by you and screams love across this room this morning. There's not one person in this room beyond the love of God. I don't care what you've done. His love is infinite. And so should we stand together and and I'll pray and then I'll invite people to come forward who just need to need to make this stand this morning where I need a fresh feeling of God's love for me or I need help to love this person and to serve like Jesus in this. But Jesus, we need you. I need you. 
come, Holy Spirit. Point us to Jesus. Point us to Jesus. Just wait upon him. Sometimes it's helpful if you're wanting to express that hunger for the Lord, just to have hands open in front of you. It's not a religious symbol. It's just a a physical expression of a longing of the heart. You're saying, God, I come empty. come surrendered. come with nothing to give. I just want to receive. Father, make us people who serve like you, Jesus, and love like you, Jesus. is saying to individuals in this room, would you come? Would you, would you come and receive an embrace, a personal embrace from me? I love you. I love you. I want to love you. I've always loved you. I loved you even before you were knitted in your mother's womb. I just desire to embrace you would you come would you come I also feel that there are people in this room who are just struggling to find that kind of softness of heart that enables them to come there's something there's a stiffness inside I believe that there are people in this room who are struggling with unforgiveness. There is nothing that will prevent you from experiencing the flow and the power of kingdom love than unforgiveness. Don't harbor unforgiveness in this room today. Just just come. Just come. He'll help you with that. He loves you. Why would you come in with a stone inside of you that's dragging you down and with a Jesus in front of you who wants to hug it out of you and carry it out with you? I'm not going to do that. Jesus said, come. Let me hold you. I love you. I love you so much. Guys, just hold out your hands in front of you. Hold out your hands. You see... This Jesus, Father in particular, he's a trader. He loves trading. And he says, you've brought me something. You've brought me something that you don't need. Give it to me. Give it to me. It's doing you no good. Bring your unforgiveness. Bring your hurt, your harm, your pain. Bring me, bring me. Hold out that thing that you're struggling. Come, come. I know that there are still people here who are just 
hanging back, hanging back. Jesus says, just come. No one's looking at you except me. Except me. And I'm going to receive that thing from you that's hurting you, that's damaging you, that's causing you to be dragged down and and feel less of yourself than you really ought. I'm going to take it. Give it him. Give it him. Don't hang on to it. If you're standing here now and you're almost twitching and wanting to just nudge the person next to you and say, would you come with me? Come on. Don't miss, don't miss it. Why would you? Hold it out to him. Give it up. Give it up to him. The one who gave it all says, come. Give it up to me. Just lay it down. Just close your eyes, hold your hands out, and just lay it down. Just lay it down at the foot of the cross of Jesus, where he bled and died and said, I'm doing this for you. And in that moment, I promise you this, God is the trader. He will bring something to each person. Receive it. Reach out. Receive it. He will trade up. Always up. Always. He won't swap anything like for like. No. He'll trade up. Thank you, Father. Just in that moment, just receive it. Oh, mama, na seshi kurola makadita seshi. Oh, God, you're so good. You're so good. Relentless love. I love you, he says. I love you. You're my child. Feel my embrace for you. Feel my embrace. Brothers and sisters, a precious, precious moment. Because the truth is, none of us have it in us to love like Jesus without Jesus deep, deep inside our hearts. And therefore, the truth of this moment is that there isn't a single person in this room doesn't need a fresh touch of the love of God, just a flood over them. And those of you who've come out already, I think uh, the Lord is, uh, I'm sure the Lord is already meeting with you as you have acknowledged your need before him for that touch. And the Holy Spirit is flowing over you now, but... There's another truth in Scripture that as we draw near to God, He draws near to us. And that's really why I would just uh, 
invite everybody just to at least hold your hands out to God and just take a step forward, if nothing else. The reason that in doing that, in coming out the front or even just stepping out the aisle, we are saying in our hearts, Father, I'm moving towards you. Jesus, I'm moving towards you because I know that I can't do this by myself. And we're saying, Lord, I'm drawing you to you and I open my heart to you. Come. Come now. Come now. to him because he loves you because he loves you because he loves you more than any of us could understand and just lift your hands to him I'd just like to invite any connect group leaders here any uh, uh, ministry team members just to start going around and just praying for the folk who've uh, come out the front uh, if you want somebody just to pray with you and you're not out the front, then please do come and join. Uh, we all just need the life flow of God just to flow over us afresh. So over us as we, as, as we, as we pray now, we just pray, Holy Spirit, come over this, this congregation. Holy Spirit, come over each one of our hearts, each one of our lives now, and flood us afresh with your goodness, with your presence. Reveal, burn into our hearts the love of Jesus afresh. Burn into our hearts afresh the love of Father. Lord Jesus, we just thank you. Thank you for your goodness and your kindness and your amazing love. And we bless you. We bless you. We bless you for your goodness. We bless you for your love. Oh, meet with us now, Lord. Meet with us now, Lord. Meet with us now, Lord. Meet with us now, Lord.